Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. This is the special Christmas Eve episode, the second annual. And I am Lindsay Shooters, and I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you on this lovely Christmas weekend? I'm I'm actually interested to know that um, as one as I started going towards the weekend and thinking about and planning the liturgies and all that mm-hmm. uh, time slowed down for me okay it, the, you know, the, the fast space that we sometimes find in in other parts of the of the of the of the month of the year sorry where things are just rushing and you're going from this place to that place somehow things just was sort of you know in a lull although I was busy um mm-hmm. uh, but I, I there's no there was no rush there's a slow movement towards this huge celebration for the church um in one's own preparation and so I mean we've got two funerals this week um yesterday we had a very interesting funeral service with Charles um, Ishmael who was a musician mm-hmm. so uh, a lot of emphasis was placed on how to celebrate his life with music. Um, and then on Thursday, we have uh, Louis Henry's funeral service. But it, it is a different rhythm, I find, going towards this. Other than that, it's been, I mean, I found great courage in uh, from doing the, the weekly um, outputs of devotions in the mm. evenings for people. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure what it does out there for others, but certainly it gets me in, in touch with a, a new way of being community. Yeah. Even if I don't see people, I don't follow up on who, who taps in or not. Those that feel they want to share with me what the value of the experience was uh, would tell me. Otherwise, I would just accept that um, I'm doing a kind of a ministry Mm. That is needed during this time when we're trying to do what what we do on this podcast, explore our faith. Yeah. Uh, in prayerful ways, thoughtful ways, in reflective ways, uh, in the context we are living in. Mm. So now other things, otherwise it's been good through through the grace of God. And you guys? Uh awesome, actually. Um there's obviously the the crescendo now of like Christmas time and getting all the gifts in order and getting all the treats and food things because we do two Christmases with my family on Christmas Eve and then um, with Monique's family on Christmas Day. Um, so it's 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 an intense little period that we're going into in terms of output. Uh, but input has been interesting this year. Like I said last week, uh, my wife, uh, Monique, is Christmas obsessed. I'll say she's a bit Christmas obsessed, um, in a good way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the the feeling hasn't quite been there. I mean, we've we've had our, our challenges uh, going into the season, um, but yeah, a lot of that has now been alleviated, and it's 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 good to see her find the Christmas spark again. Um, and the Christmas spark this year was actually ignited by. I don't know if you are familiar with a visual project called The Chosen. Um, it's like this crowdfunded TV show about, it's more like an accurate depiction of Jesus's life. Um, 
and they did a Christmas special that they broadcast in cinemas in the US. Um, it's all, if you go to, the, I think it's thechosen.com is the website, you can view all the episodes are free there. It's crowdfunded and put up there. You can donate to the project as well. They fund, they're busy funding season three right now. Uh, but they had a collection of artists who were singing like authentic, publicly driven Christmas music and then a special episode of The Chosen where it was like the birth of Christ, which was then interesting because the Joseph that they pick is is a, a, a very brown man. Um, and the, the the Mary is more like Middle Eastern. Um, and then the baby comes out and the baby is um, not either of those. <laughs> it's quite, quite European. In <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, wow, you guys really went for the realism there. Anyway, besides that, uh, that, that did light the spark, even in me, in my, in my cold agnostic heart. Um, it did get me reflecting on how to interpret the message of Christmas to everybody else. So I'll give you an opportunity to call our minds together with a collective prayer, and then we'll get straight into that. A good day to you, uh, congregants. Thank you for tuning in. Let us pray the collect for Christmas Eve. Loving God, your light shone in the stable of Bethlehem. Draw us to worship the child in the manger and use us to tell the story of his love to the world who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. So I'm going to jump into the reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. This is the Good News Bible um, translation. So it goes, the people who walk in darkness will see a bright light. The light will shine on those who live in the land of death's shadow. You will expand the nation and increase its happiness. It will be happy in your presence, like those who celebrate the harvest or rejoice when dividing loot. You will break the yoke that burdens them, the bar that is across their shoulders and the stick used by the oppressor, as you did in the battle against Midian. So if I look at, uh, there's an artist called Chris Tomlin, and he penned a more modern kind of take on, on a traditional hymn, uh, which is called Noel, uh, Come and See, not to be confused with the first Noel. Um, so those lines go, love incarnate, love divine, star and angels gave the sign, bow to babe on bended knee, the savior of humanity. Unto us a child is born, he shall reign forevermore. Noel, come and see what God has done. Love incarnate, love divine. Star and angels gave the sign. Bow to babe on bended knee. The Savior of humanity. Unto us a child is born, he shall reign forevermore. No.
I was watching this show, and obviously the dominant narrative is the Romans had enforced the censor because they wanted to like get their taxes in order, the the census, sorry, and then Joseph now had to travel with Mary down to to Bethlehem, and hence everything happened. And then they were exiled after that because the wise men made a stop by Herod first and was like, yo, do you have a lighty? Uh, because apparently there's a new king being born. And then Herod took umbrage to this and then sent the soldiers. But my question is, again, it's something that I've been building up to over the last couple of weeks. So I first asked, who did Jesus die for? And then I asked why God sent the son, like for what purpose? Now I'm asking, I think, for the non-believers, for the non-Christians, and there are billions in the world who don't believe this story, who don't believe that this child was sent. In your interpretation, from a Christian, lifelong, dedicated Christian perspective, going into the Christmas season, do you honestly believe and can you say that Jesus was born to save all humanity, or do you still have the idea that there's an oppressor and that Jesus was only born to save like the special people? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I made a statement in a, in a meeting one day, uh, which was a fraternal meeting where the clergy of the local area got involved in. And as we were discussing Christmas, because it was close to the Christmas season, mm -hmm. I made this statement. I said, Christmas does not belong to Christians. Wow. wow. Now, apparently, the, some of the brothers and sisters in that meeting didn't come back the next time round. And one of my colleagues there, David, said it's because I made that statement. Now, I, I have problems when Christians think that they have the full say on God, that they have the only say on how the story, the love story of salvation is told, is proclaimed and lived. So my perspective of, of celebrating the Christ child, the one sent to him, I, I like John's understanding of Jesus in the incarnation, the one who embodied our humanity, which inevitably was a gift from God because God made us in his image. So God embodies what is God's already. And if he embodied our humanity, no one is excluded. So therefore, how can we only celebrate it? Uh, his, his, the event of his life and his work and his death for only an exclusive group of people. Mm. But what we do uh, as Christians understand in terms of following our salvation history based on the biblical narrative, 
like with any story, it has a starting point. And uh, the, the starting point may have seemed to people that it's it's therefore only around uh, like the Isaiah passage is talking to the exiles. Mm. But if you think about the broadness of this message, it may have been spoken to a group of people in a particular context. But I can quite imagine how the this message would be hoped to exiles all over the globe. Um, not just in that generation, but in generations to come where they, there's, a, there's a possibility of dictatorship of government and oppression mm -hmm. of people. Um, we, we, now that we are more in touch with the world through the global network of the web, we do get a sense of what other people may be going through, um, similar to ourselves, like, you know, one of the things that we are praying for is how does how does God help us to become delivered from corruption in government? Because corruption is a form of oppression. Mm. Um, the ANC, for example, stands now with this issue of non-payment to its workers. Yeah. Um, how does the message of Christmas speak into that reality for those people who now may be forced to have nothing to eat that would normally be ate over this time in form of the celebration of the season. So, so is salvation therefore only determined by where it start the message of its or the story of its of its um, of its history? In captured in the prophets of Isaiah, or was it meant to have a starting point with an inclusive imagination of all? And so I find in the story of Jesus as the incarnate God, God with us, the embodiment of embodying our humanity mm. as an inclusive story. So when Jesus did that, he did not do that for believers only he did that for everybody so that no one is ever excluded from the mind of god from the heart of god from the love of god from the saving work of god now mm -hmm. we then would start telling the story from our uh, let's say from the anglican perspective uh, the Anglican perspective um, would therefore draw on the Catholicity that we come from. And so the symbolisms will still be a manger. Uh, it will still have the bond scene. Yeah. It will yeah. have the parents. Um, but, but the bond is the starting point of a bigger story. Who would have thought that when you see the Christian lying in the manger, that he, in a couple of days' time, needed to flee to Egypt as a refugee? Hmm. If that was part of the journey, as I believe it is, that shows how inclusive his, his dying for everybody was. Because his coming was for everybody. Um, 
therefore the death that he died would be for everybody. Uh, the 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 eye catching moment of love was what the angels told the shepherd, what message the three wise men received and followed the star. Um, but it was an inclusive one because those three magi, for example, were not exclusively uh, re related to the Israel people. Yeah. And and of course, I mean, Herod was a dummy king. Uh, you know, uh, a, a dummy king is easily threatened, mm. even by a child <laughs> that was just born. So that his death spoke to the political scene of the time also shows that his, sorry, his birth speaks to, so his death also spoke to, to all of the facets of human, human existence and experiences. Mm. And so his birth, um, just his presence, just the, um, the mention of his presence drew people to him, but it also drew fear into the hearts of those who wanted to maintain a status quo. Mm. So, yeah, then, then obviously the Isaiah passage continues. Um, I, I'm only going to focus on this in terms of, of the liturgy of the word, because we all know the Christmas story and the gospel and everything. And we will we'll talk about other, other themes like uh, in, in a moment. But it says specifically, a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and peace will have unlimited growth. He will establish David's throne and kingdom. He will uphold it with justice and righteousness now and forever. So again, like powerful political statements here. And um, there's, there's, that, there's that feeling of nationalism. And, 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 and I'm sorry to harp on this, but it, I think it's important for me especially as people are moving away from traditional church, traditional ways of worship, traditional ways of, uh, there's, there's other ideas of Christmas that are taking precedent, and we'll talk about that in a moment as well. Uh, when, you, when you read back me, when you read your homework back to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's important for me to establish this point that, that Christmas time, for me, is more a time of, it's a reset button for the year. So like everything that has happened so far, all of the grudges that you're carrying for the year, all of the wrongs that have been done to you, all of the wrongs that you have committed to others, um, it's a time to reflect on all of that and, you know, let it go. Work through what you need to work through. Take the time to sit down and take stock and then have hope that you can start the year, the next year afresh, you know, and like, I, I think it's, it's a more powerful message than just limiting the Christ birth to a select bunch of believers that then encourages non-believers to then just dogpile and reject it completely. 
Mm. Well, I think that the, the, the Christ child and his birth is a message that conjures up hope. Mm. And if we reflect on it, let's say from a secular perspective, where, where you are saying, after all the hard work during the year and the challenges we faced, this brings us to a time when we can anticipate new birth for ourselves by just sitting down and reflecting on our lives. Mm -hmm. um, this story helps me to do that. If I want to be secular about it, uh, without the focus of the Christ child being born in me, mm -hmm. which is where the hope of Christmas lies, but for persons who want to think secularly that leaving the Christ child out of it, this story also says, um, I can I can become better than this. I can I can 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 be honest about where I am in myself. Yesterday, I shared a meditation on a poem that was written by Frank Bechner. Mm. His first line in the poem says, "Listen to your life." And as I as I reflected deeply on on that, and I used it in a counselling session with a couple uh, the same day, I yeah. more and more when I presented it in the that devotion, I, for me it sounded like almost automatic when I do listen to my life. Mm. Automatically, I'm listening to my Creator. But if those who don't want to focus on the creator says, I will listen to my life, then what you are saying uh, is, is, is that I can then begin to dispense of the things that are useless uh, and, and, and no use hanging on to. And I can work out for myself, how do I get to a higher level of living mm. in my consciousness? in my behavior, in my attitude, in my person. Of course, as a Christian, I don't know whether I can do that in a secular mind, with a secular mindset. Yeah. I, I, I can do it because I'm able to realize that as I begin to listen to my life, which is gift from God, I then tune into listening to the Creator as well. When I listen to my life as the starting point, I will I begin to listen to the one who embodied my humanity, Jesus Christ. Um, in the hiddenness of the womb to the to the empty tomb, um, because he's risen. So so for me, all that is named here assists me on that journey. Um, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. But what, what is also uh, emphatic about this is that the way that, that rule happens, that governance happens in the world, becomes his responsibility. Mm. So that means when I listen to my life, if I take that as my starting point, I then begin to not just hear myself, but my life as a shared uh, reality with others. So now I'm beginning to listen to how others may be living. 
and how I share in their living. For example, um, how do we realize that the poor is part of us? Mm. So when I share part of my food supply to them, I'm sharing in that mystery of the incarnation embodying the struggles of my fellow human beings mm-hmm. who for I mean the the, the 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 narrative is so wide. Is it the systems that impoverish people? Is it people who impoverish people? Or is it it's is is it the individual or family's own choice to be there? I mean the, these are parts of the debate uh, around the challenge of poverty but when I listen to my life and I make my connection with God as creator as redeemer and sustainer I also begin to recognize that I'm part of a bigger whole Mm. that it's not all about me and this is where the problem of nationalism comes in Um, sometimes I tune into American um, rhetoric where a white person in America tells somebody from another part of the another part of the world who's come to find homage in American society, go back to your own country as if they are in their own country. And the voice mm. of the Native American, the first indigenous people, they're not heard in all of that. Now that possessiveness has corrupted society. So too in our own South Africa. There are struggles with people who, of some of our locals, who can't embrace our brothers and sisters who need homage here amongst us because yeah. things are difficult. I'm so glad I've got. We've got a new parishioner uh, who, who's a bubbling young man, um, uh, and he came to join the parish the other day. Alians is his name. Mm-hmm. And Allianz is from the DRC. Mm-hmm. And um, since he's been part of the parish, he has been in church with this vibrant smile, with this, he just, he's, he's old, he's just old, he's old. I mean, when you listen to him, mm-hmm. you listen to, and then you begin to realize just how part of who he is, is part of who I am. And so I start saying, so tell me about your family. So the picture gets bigger, becomes more inclusive. That is why we cannot own Christmas as the church, the Christmas story, the Christian narrative and the Christmas event. But we've got to celebrate it in an inclusive manner. Mm. Must never be exclusive. Must not just be for us in inverted commas. It must not have that nationalistic uh, inclination because I'm still governed by John 3.16, God so loved the world. Yeah. So, yeah, watching that that chosen thing, um, in the the musical numbers, like leading up to it, there's this one scene with like a bunch of children. I forget what they were singing, uh, but I remarked to Monique, like there's a disturbing lack of diversity. Um, It was mostly like white kids. It's American thing. Like I, I understand the dynamics um, that happen uh, because, like things you should know about America is that um, black and brown people are the minorities, like proper minorities. It's a white-dominated country. Like unlike, it's the reverse of what we have in South Africa, mm-hmm. um, from from a racial perspective. Uh, and then 
Monique actually <laughs> made a very good point. And she's like, we can't put that kind of expectation of visual diversity on the next generation because we've had so much um, interracial um, relationships yeah. and marriages. And like the kids won't look black and white. Mm. You know, there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's many, there's a lot to the spectrum uh, between uh, when, when you start mixing along along racial lines, which I mean, we all people, so so that that really that really got me reflecting on my own biases when I'm viewing things. But why I made that point, why it sticks out to me is in the show, um, there's a refrain: "People must know." But the artists and they had a couple of monologues explaining like the different names of God as well. Um, those people in their speaking are saying the people must know. And my question is always like, who's the, the, you know, <laughs> it's oh. like, do you know the thing? And now you're trying to like evangelize other people. It's like, um, how do you, how are you so confident in your own Christianity? Oh. You know, that you can speak from a position of authority and like say that the people must know, I must spread this message to every. It's like other people experience it differently. You know, mm. like different cultures celebrate Christmas differently. Mm. Um, so then it, I, I get taken to, so, so the first musical interlude uh, was a very contemporary spin on the angel's message and the shepherd's message and that whole come and see what God has done, this great gift to the world sort of thing. The second one is by an uh, artist called Amy Grant. It's called Breath of Heaven, um, Mary's Song. And for me, why, why, why I like these, these modern interpretations of religious symbolism is that you're really getting these artists getting very introspective and humanizing elements of this Christmas story. So... Last week, we touched on why Elizabeth was the first Christian and Mary was the first um, evangelist. Uh, but it goes deeper than that. Like, remember, God had not spoken to the Hebrews for like 300 years, 400 years. So Mary and Joseph were the first people who had heard the voice of God, if you believe the story. Um at this time, and they are now put in a very interesting situation, knowing that they are effectively breaking the law. They are now harboring a a radical, <laughs> like there's no other way to put it. Um, like the 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 pressure on parents when you are dealing with these kinds of revolutionary ideas, when you know, like they were told, this is the thing that you have to do. And given an idea of what's going to happen after, it's like, this dude is going to change everything that you know. And now they just scrambling around like two scared teenagers. And then this, this beautiful interpretation, um, I'll, 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 I'll play the song at, at the end, but, in the second verse, it's Mary now saying, I am waiting in silent prayer. I am frightened by the load I bear. In a world as cold as stone, must I walk this path alone? Be with me now. 
Breath of heaven, hold me together. Be forever near me, breath of heaven. Lighten my darkness, pour over me your holiness, for you are holy, breath of heaven. And it's just a beautiful interpretation of this internal kind of angst, um, anxiety that that Mary would have been experiencing then given the framing of the expectation that is placed on her. Well, very interesting that that is a, which you call earlier on a human, a humanizing of the story. Mm. Because reading the text itself, and it's interesting that we have the song of Mary the Magnificat mm. coming out of her encounter yeah. with yeah. God. Um, that if we juxtapose this new way of looking at it, so it's like this person writing this song, Breath of Heaven, um, mm. is a sort of seems to think that it's filling the gap before she says the song of Mary, yeah. before she does that witness. Uh, uh, so it's going into the human feelings of Mary. Um, uh, so when you have, let, let's say, when you have an epiphany like Mary did have, mm. and eventually came and said, I'm, I'm willing to be your servant, let it be to me as you have said. Now, when you say words like that, what then happens? Do you hit up in song such as my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in, in God my Savior as the initial response of that epiphany? Or would you have had those words in your mind before you came to the realization of, well, now I'm in the service of God, so from my soul I pray, proclaim his greatness? Or would we having had the epiphany, broken out in the song as Mary did, and then stop and say, hey, what is this all about? Because, I mean, I'm so moved that she, a woman, mm. makes a radical song that challenges all of society. Mm. Right? Um, so not only is she going to bear a, a radical, she becomes radical based on what we hear in the song of Mary. Yeah. She, yeah. She, look, yesterday I was reading a, um, out of a, a, a paper called The Premier, and, uh, and in there the question that the journalist was asking was, does the Bible actually say Mary was a virgin that bore a son? And she goes through the biblical texts that are okay, available, okay. and then she talks about how, how is it possible for a virgin 
to be born. She goes back to the Old Testament to see yeah. this yeah. very text here. And then she says, yes, Mary's a virgin who bore a son. <laughs> now, if that is not radical in the eyes of the world, scientifically in any other way, what what is? So so I, I understand that um, and appreciate the fact that 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 song illuminates the voice of women mm-hmm. in the whole of salvation history. But it, it shows us not just the powerfulness of her message, but also helps us to realize that undergirding all of that is the human struggle of fear to be radical. But but touch base with the fear and look at, and again, that confirms what I said earlier on, I need the breath of heaven to make this possible in me and through me, if I heard the song correctly from what you said. So so I have no problem with with us looking at Mary through that eyes, Um, but we cannot do that without recognizing this most powerful, radical song of Mary the Magnificat, which um, displays um, the nature of God in a world he seeks to change, to become better, to the way that he meant the world to be, the world where goodness prevails, um, where peace prevails amongst people and his creation. Um, that is why, why, why we grapple with the understanding of who God is. He could speak creation into being, but he takes a whole process with salvation. Hmm. Because it's not forced, it's given. Yeah. It's lived. He comes to be one with us. How better to understand him, even though we still don't understand him than when he embodies our humanity. And I think in this uh, Lady uh, Miss Grant's song, there is that we can now sit alongside Mary Mm. because the Catholic Church placed her on a pedestal uh, in in many people's view. Um, What they were saying was very helpful. God's story of salvation is not exclusive of human agent. Yeah. So they were they were helping us to understand that, mm. you know, even though Jesus is the pinnacle of it, he was he was he was he came to create a community to help him do this, even when he needed to go on his own to the cross. Uh, for the support of the community was always there, and we find that even at the foot of the cross, that is happening. Mm. So I appreciate what she's saying because it helps us to touch base with our own humanity and its yeah. weakness yeah. And, and, and flaws and our cry, breath of heaven, make me holy. Yeah, and that just like continues into like further kind of introspection that is common among all people when you're in a new situation and you don't know if you are able to rise to the challenges and it goes, do you wonder as you watch my face if a wiser one should have had my place? But I offer all I am for the mercy of your plan. Help me be strong. It's, it, 
it's a it's a it's a beautiful it's it's really struck a, a kind of emotional um chord more because of the the musical arrangement. I, I like I like like more acoustic kind of Christmassy songs, not the I, I appreciate the more lively <laughs> um uh kind of Christmas cake versions of, of songs like um Mariah Carey. Um I, I think the production on, on that album is still the quintessential of like distilling Christmas joy and the feeling that all of us share at this moment and the festivities and everything into like a musical arrangement. Um, and yeah, so, so I appreciate that, but I, but I like, as, as I said earlier, I like to use this time to reflect on the year that has passed um, and plan for the year ahead. Um, and then like these kind of slower, kind of more introspective kind of, moodier arrangements really appeal to me. Uh, well, can I just say, say into that, you would have seen how I musically arranged the liturgy yes. in dispersed with um, a, a, a secular singing of yeah. Bethlehem's narrative. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, and, it, and I brought it from a, a, the psalm that is offered, um, shout happily to the Lord all the earth, you see, there's the inclusivity of the earth. Break out into joyful singing and make music. And when I, when that happened, I was just inspired. It just sort of came to me. I'm so grateful mm -hmm. for that. Long time ago in Bethlehem, uh -huh. so the Holy Bible say. Now, now, Boney M, I mean, people are either mad <laughs> or glad because they hear this when they're shopping. Mm. And they've done, it's been in, I don't know, in other parts of the country, but certainly in Cape Town, we, we've we sort of had that. And I just thought, yes, that's the right one to sing here. Uh, not once in Royal David. Yeah. So, you know, it wouldn't have brought out the break into joyful singing and make music. Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, I just thought I wanted to attach it to your mm -hmm. sense of the music um, outplay of that. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> the, the Boney M take on on Christmas songs was amazing because here you having tradition like Christmas standards and they're being shaken up with like two four measures uh, so like real like reggae kind of Caribbean influences on that kind of music and then you're getting like the the dub stuff as well you're getting some thick like interesting uses of bass guitars and like really distorted kind of stuff which was it, it's so radical in the idea of like a Western Christmas where you have organ driven music and like strict like four four standards. Um, uh, sorry to get into the musical theory, but like I don't think that Boney M gets enough credit for what they achieved um, on that. And it, it, it's interesting that it's become so popular. Mariah Carey, Boney M have become so popular because of how just insanely radical they were at the time when they were released. But now I've been become derided because our understanding of music has evolved so much now that that becomes like quite primitive. Um, and the younger kids are just frankly tired of it because there's more interesting things going on. Uh, but I set some homework for you to find some secular music that you'd really enjoy over this period of time. And and maybe extract the, the worship elements within it. And what, what did you come up with? I came up with White Christmas mm -hmm. and the Little Drummer Boy. 
Perhaps let me begin because look, I've heard White Christmas first. That yeah. was sort of the 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 music played in our homes where we were growing up. Of course, in my little youthful mind, I never had a clue of what White Christmas meant and later on found out it's all about snow, mm-hmm. um, which had no relevance to me in the Southern Hemisphere um, now in the season of summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If that is still the proper season given climate, climate change. I'm of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow I mean, I thought, I think Bing, Cros- uh, Bing Crosby's, um, you know, um, uh, voice is the attraction. Mm. Um, and apparently it it released over 50 million copies worldwide. Mm. So the impression of this song is also now, I don't think this song, I think the most important word for me there is the way that we are called to dream. And 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 to be open to dreaming. Now, when we, we it, sh- it should have would challenge me in the southern hemisphere to say, so what kind of Christmas would I dream of in the southern hemisphere where there is no white snow? Yeah. Uh, al- although I mean, recently more snow has been falling in our parts of the world than mm. in former parts. Um, uh, of course, um, uh, you know. Um, white supremacists may assume that the white Christmas is all about (laughs) him and so one opens up but but also I think that the dreaming part is a very important part and it's also uh, what what we aspire to in spirituality and children listen Hmm. now not not only children need to listen all of us need to listen but of course we're not listening to sleigh bells in the snow because yeah but the, the, the ring of a bell resonates with church, a mm. call to worship. And and perhaps is the church a sleigh if we were to relate it to the symbolism of the words in this music uh, that that goes through the community with the ringing of its bell, just the rhythm of its bell ringing. Mm. Um, what does that awaken in the soul? Mary says... My my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Um, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So call to worship. But in order to hear the call, you need to be listening. And to listen, you have to be still. You have to be quiet. Mm-hmm. After all, it's the waking up process. You don't wake up in noise. You wake up in silence mm-hmm. with movement and rhythm. So. And then I think the, the the extension of what does this message of Christmas, this event of Christmas make me do? It makes me reach out to others. I write a card. And my message to others, which which comes in with how do I start the new world, the new day, the new day 
when I'm reflecting on the past, which may have led me to, a, um, to grumpiness, mm. to disillusionment, to sadness, to anger. Now, what I'm writing now, what I'm penning, uh, as I reflect on all of this, is that you may have happy days going forward. Mm. That, that the, the darkness would have faded. That resonates with the, uh, the Isaiah passage that we read. Yeah. Those sitting in darkness have seen a great light. Um, so, so, so that there for me has got some symbolism um, about the, the message of, of Christ coming into the world. Um, he comes, merriness has to do with peace on earth and goodwill to men. Uh, you know, God wants people to be happy. And I can help you in your happiness when I'm blessing you with that message and also trying to live up in my relationship to ensure that you experience happiness. And when you experience happiness, then there is gladness in mind. I marveled the other day when speaking to Sister Marinas, who works at the West Bank um, Clinic mm-hmm. with Sister Willis and the two members of our congregation. Yeah. And um, so Sister Willis brought the food that was made by Our Ladies to the clinic. And Sister Marina said, I watched as they were eating in the courtyard, mm-hmm. people with serious illnesses. And just the, 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 the meal and the connection to it, the gratitude from what was going on, she just found it the marvelous to see that that moment when poverty-stricken people have a moment of merriness in that they are eating something they couldn't even provide for themselves and the gratitude they show as a result of receiving that um, spoke volumes to my heart about the need of reaching out i write a card I reach out to you in some way to help your happiness. So I never thought of this in this way before, but you're challenging me to to think about a a musical song that was written in 1942. Mm. Does the message of old ever go away, no matter how the new bangs on our door (laughs) with its loudness and sometimes it's missing a message of hope so the little drummer was introduced to me by my aunt um, who on the 21st died uh, she passed a year ago now she heard this on the on the radio and played it for us mm-hmm. the little drummer boy and that's how i got to know about the little drummer boy mm-hmm. um, i probably was about 12 years old or even younger than that To lay before 
1941 piece of music. And what I liked about this when I went through it yesterday, pam uh, pam pam is sort of the renowning thing. But yeah, this yeah. is a child telling the story in one liners. And the rapapam is the response to that one line, um, uh, um, to the beat of the drum. So um, the merriness of Christmas is musical. The rhythm of Christmas has got a musical rhythm. You can't but sing the joyful songs that carry the message. Even in secular format, like a long time ago in Bethlehem, the gospel message is carried. And yet in one line, um, come they told me, here's a child listening. What did they tell me a newborn king to see? Now, they told Herod. His response was, our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king. Captures the magi. What was Herod's problem? Yeah. <laughs> so to honor him. Uh, when we come, um, a little baby, how, a child would, would would connect with a little baby much more, you know, on a, I'm not too far away from where you are right now. Mm. I'm a poor little boy too, you see then? Yeah. So what does Jesus do? He brings out the essence of our humanity. He identifies with us so that we can identify with him. This drummer boy is a poor boy. Mm. The honesty of that reality. And he sees poverty in Jesus. His experience of poverty in the unclouded material of unclouded-ness from materialism that Jesus resonated. You know, I listened to John Matham the other day. Uh, to uh, He was asking the question of what Christmas means and what people would do. And, and he, before he went into it, he, I mean, John is also somebody that will say he's agnostic. Hmm. But John knows the Bible from pillar to post as you know it. And John would say, I just hope that the, 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 the um, initial reason for Christmas untainted by materialism would be the focus. But unfortunately, materialism clouds out the message. I mean, well, that was prophetic. Yeah. From somebody who says, I'm not sure I believe. So that little boy says this. Um, the, what is this all about for him, a little baby that shares my humanity? And makes me realize that he shares my poverty too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give to our king. Wow. And then he plays his drum for him. Yeah. He gives what he recognizes he has as a gift. So is he really poor? No. Because there is something poor people can give. People materially poor can give. So I think I've done my homework pretty well. <laughs> that you have. That you have. I'll, I'll actually tell you, 
<laughs> something um, I, I I knew it. I just had to go go check it to be true. Now um, there is a connection between the two songs as well. Um, they were both recorded by Decca Records uh, between the in the 1940s. So the the Trap family, of which um, yeah. they were immortalized in cinema form as the Von Trap family in The Sound of Music, they recorded. Little Drummer Boy in 1941 with Decca Records, and then Bing Crosby was a Decca Records um, artist, and he recorded White Christmas in 1942. So there is that as well. <laughs> was... Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't <laughs> actually come on that, but thanks for that. It's, uh, yeah, but... so Decca Records, obviously legendary production house, uh, Billy Holiday, Louis Armstrong, like a lot of great music, great, like foundational kind of human culture like our shared culture came came through those hallowed halls uh but yeah thank you very much uh for that this has been another i hope you listeners enjoyed this little trip down musical lane for a lovely christmas eve special episode um thank you very much father for another year of of inspiring debate um on this exploration of faith and yeah, I think we will be off for three weeks. Um, obviously, all the links and to the music and the prayers and the liturgy is in the pod of podcast description. Uh, but yeah, we will take a little break and we will back, be back with you in the new year. If you could please extract a few other points of reflection from the greater prayers of the church. And I will see you next year. Thank you very much, Lindsay, for helping us to consider the need to explore our faith in times of crisis and in times of, of, of joy. I uh, want to just highlight some of the things that we consider praying for, um, the, the, that we pray continually for the poor and homeless that we pray for young mothers across the world, that we hold before God all people who will have to work during this time, and especially the disaster management teams um, to ensure that our roads are safe, the hospital wards, especially the ERs, when when we some some of us go out of hand and have to end up there. So we hold them before God. This this Jesus of the stable, this Jesus who was born of Mary, to this Jesus who was visited by the shepherds. We are more and more confronted with the reality that we have refugees living amongst us. Here I think of Ali Hans who comes from the DRC unable to even have been at his father and mother's funerals in this year because he couldn't go home. We think of them living in fear of their lives and have left homes and families. We also ask God's blessings on the people who are in hospital because of life-threatening illnesses, need of operations, and the over 16,000 people now 
infected with Omicron. Sadly, the 48 people who seem to have died on a daily basis in our country and for that reality across the world. And then let us hear the words of the wise scientists. Lord, let us not become complacent. Even as we have merriment around this season. So in conclusion, my dear brothers and sisters, as you go through this time of rest and celebration and family with all the protocols in place, go and glorify praising God for all that you have heard and seen as you reflect upon your lives as was part of the message today, renounce ungodly living and unworthy desires and take control of your life with godliness and honor. The blessing of God, who is our creator, our redeemer and our life-giving comforter be with you always. The services will end with this music of joy to the world the Lord has come. So now we say, go in peace with hope to love and serve the Lord who is come to bring joy to the world. And in his name, the name of Christ, we say, Amen. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, for those of you that will be joining us online, those will be joining us at the open air service on Christmas Eve at six o'clock, those who will be joining us at eight o'clock service for Christmas Day. We look forward to seeing you. Be safe.